Hello, beautiful, amazing, worthy humans. Welcome to another episode of the Self Love Effect Podcast, where we strive to be our most authentic, unapologetic selves, embracing who we truly are, reclaiming our power, inspiring others to do the same. I'm your host, Desiree Toppings. And before we dive into today's episode, I want you guys to know how thankful I am for each and every one of you for your constant love and support. And it would mean so much to me if you head over, left a review, followed, shared with family and friends. And this is how we are able to grow organically in the algorithm and reach many more lives. Now, before we dive into today's episode, I want you guys, if you are not currently driving or busy to take out a pen and paper and write down these reminders to tell yourself every single day. You belong here. You are worthy because you exist. Giving your all doesn't mean you have to do it all and you're allowed to pace yourself. Health is not just about what you're eating. It's also about what you're thinking and saying. Let go of outside validation and people's disapproval of you. Strangers or people you know are not the center of your universe, nor are you to them. Do your best today while remembering your value is not attached to what you accomplish. So be the best version of you today and every day and to celebrate who you are, invest in yourself, value yourself. Joining us today on the podcast is Dr. Candice Stanick. She is a naturopathic doctor, medical intuitive, lifestyle coach, and spiritual guide who focuses on practicing integrative medicine. Some topic areas of interest include spirituality, health mindset, and harnessing the deep wisdom of your body to heal itself. By working together with her, she helps to unleash your inner warrior so that you can reclaim your strength and self-worth so that you can truly be the best version of yourself that you've always desired and that you are meant to be. Now, I hope you guys enjoy this podcast as much as I did. All right. Welcome, Dr. Candice Stanek to the Self-Love Effect podcast. So excited to have you here. And, you know, it's very empowering what you do and what, and I will allow you to elaborate on what you do, but really um, how you're able to change lives and really empower people through your own teachings of adversity and challenges that you face throughout your life. So uh, can you tell our listeners a little bit more on who you are and what you do? Just a little bit of more background before we get into, you know, details and all of that. So, yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Desiree. It's great to be here. And hello, listeners. Um, so a little bit about my background. Um, I grew up in Alberta and um, kind of had a whole foods diet lifestyle, if you will, because um, my my background is um English or Scottish. And so food's very plain, but it was always holistic. And um, so that kind of came with me in terms of my being. And um, before uh, uh, going to school in naturopathic medicine, I was an internal auditor. So I'm familiar with the corporate environment and um, enjoyed that aspect, but found myself searching for something else. So I had returned to school and uh, became a naturopathic doctor so most people enter school with some type of illness or family illness. I didn't actually have that. I actually got sick while I was in school. And so my adversity showed up at that point, um, along with a mild learning disability, um, <laughs> which, which was amplified because um, we are studying for more than 40 hours a week and classes and so it was really amplified because I needed more time to study and I needed to fit it in in the same amount of time as my classmates. So there was some challenges going through the program. Um, in terms of um, working with individuals, I like to share, you know, all those different aspects with them and um, also bring kind of a, a spiritual flavor, if you will, um, 
you know, in, into the mix. Uh, Cause I, I've been saying that for a little while as well. Yeah, that's so when you work with clients, you know, um, what normally is it that you see what typically give us some examples of what clients you normally work with and how you're able to really take a holistic approach um, in obviously helping them? Because lots of times nowadays we, you know, we tend to rely on the pharmaceutical companies to, you know, bring us clarity and able to really get through our day without really, in a sense, falling apart. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, a lot of what I see in individuals, um, relates to fatigue and fatigue is one of those things that, you know, it sounds simple, but it's super broad because it, it can be those aspects. It might be hormones that are affecting it and it might be, um, stress that's affecting it. Um, but one of the things I see often are my patients have underlying infections that are, are not being treated. So this could be called like a low grade infection, or it could be infections that show up in an atypical format. So it doesn't fit the typical textbook stuff that we learned in school. Um, so I'm looking at a lot of um, underlying infections in terms of what that looks like. In terms of other stuff, uh, we're looking at kind of the mental health realm, um, anxiety, depression. And it's really interesting on the depression front because what I'm hearing people say is that there's kind of two camps. There's, there's a camp where someone might go and talk about the issue. Um, and there's a camp where they might be given tools um, to deal with their issue. And my personal um, professional opinion is that the, the talking, yes, it's needed sometimes, but in some mm -hmm. cases it actually drives in that story and keeps a person stuck. And so in those cases, we don't want to keep that story stuck because it, we want initially to unplug and allow that person to move forward. So I have a bit of a different approach when I look at those things. And I'm really listening to see like, what is it that that person really needs? Um, and, and I don't know all the time that that's the thing. And right. I do truly believe that the individuals, their body, their soul, their being actually knows the answer. And so it's just facilitating for them what that might look like. Yeah. 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 Is, is this where you would apply kinesiology? Is that how you, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Is this, <laughs> yeah. I've, I've read broadly about it. I don't know much about it. So obviously I'm not an expert, but if you can elaborate on that, because I have heard of it, um, but yet to speak a bit about it here on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I use multiple assessment tools. So obviously we have the intake with the patient um, and then a little bit of physical exam. And then I use something called applied kinesiology, which you're talking about Desiree. So that's a type of muscle testing. And what I love about that is it's, it just taps into the person's body. So at that moment, when I do the muscle testing and there's some, um, you know, people are, are conflicted as to whether it works, but to me, it works based on the level of the practitioner who's doing the treatment. Meaning when I do the muscle testing or any practitioner, you want to be a clear vessel because I don't want to approach the patient and be like, Oh, I already know what the treatment is, or I already know where they need to go in their treatment plan. And, um, so when I approach it completely, um, completely empty, meaning I'm not taking all of the stuff we just talked about for 40 minutes. I muscle test as an empty vessel. I'm often surprised. I'm surprised at what the body chooses for its treatment or what the body wants to work on first. And I'll just, I'll kind of, my patients know, I'll just kind of chuckle and I'm like, what's going on? Like, I wasn't expecting that. I was not expecting that for a treatment. I wasn't expecting that these things would work together. I wasn't expecting that I had to you know, recommend an essential oil to go with the program to harmonize the treatment. Um, so that's what I love about it. The other aspect I love is that I can test um, microorganisms. Um, I can actually test a lots of things, but my current arsenal is microorganisms, hormones, um, heavy metals, and foods. So we check those. And then um, when I complete the assessment with somebody, I'm checking to make sure that all of the supplements their body wanted will work together. So either I add something in or I pull things out so that the complement is going to work well with their system and what they have going on at that moment. So when I speak to my clients, I tell them, you know, when we talk about the food aspect, 
Um, and just like you said, because, you know, we, through what we eat, we can, you know, obviously the heavy metals flow through the body. Now I like to tell them, well, and a lot of people don't like to hear this because we have this idea that, well, we can live our best life only if we eat whatever we want. And to a certain extent, right? Because if you're eating food with high nutritional value, you're going to feel better. You're going to perform better. And that's what I tell them, you know, um, food is essentially, it's like, well, I guess you could say it's like the best medicine to the body, um, because it's, it's wealth, but at the same time, it's allowing us again to perform when we're 80 and 60 years old at the best of our ability. Now, when it comes to, um, you know, your profession, do you, as you inter, you know, understand like what the person is going through, what your client's going through, do you suggest, you know, obviously living a healthier lifestyle and how that is beneficial? Yes. Yes. We do. We do talk about food. Um, what I'm learning though, in my practice is that food is <laughs> in our current society. I love everybody out there. So I'm saying this with much, much love Yeah. in our current society with my patient base, um, what I've experienced so far, food, isn't always the first thing I go diving into with them. Mm -hmm. I do talk about it. Um, but it's partly because the mentality out there is, you know, what's the pill that can fix it. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So, um, and I, and I expressly say that to them, I can give a pill, but then I'm doing the same thing as other practitioners. And I, I don't want to do that. I want longer lasting lifestyle changes and preventive medicine. How can we do something today so that they can feel better years down the road? So I do talk about food, but it sort of um, has morphed into weaving it in, in the second, third sub subsequent visits, because it's, you know, some, some people really love their food. <laughs> um, but you know what, like, that's part of the journey. That's part of seeing where they're at. And that's part of um, being able to accept, like, I love food as medicine. Um, but the reality is, some of the food that we have, um, you know, wheat, for example, is genetically modified, and the body just doesn't change overnight. Our genetics, yes, they change, but not that quickly. So, you know, people are like, Oh, I can, I can eat wheat in Europe, and I can't eat it in Canada. It's like, well, because it's different kind of wheat. Mm. That's part of it. And some of it is, you know, some of us just don't have the genetics to digest that protein. So it's a different conversation. Um, but yeah, in general, I'm, I'm with you, Desiree, I love food as medicine. And, um, you know, that really is part of the foundation of, of people feeling well, and then we kind of offer other things to help balance the remaining aspects. Yeah, I love that. And when you say genetics, I'm sitting here going, that's, that's a thing. Like, and as for someone, because I'm like, wait, well, well, obviously different parts of the world are distributed, like different types of food, but then you sit here and throw genetics in the mix. I'm like, okay, well, there's so much, this spectrum is so big. So when we tend to yeah. lean towards one side or the other, we really are losing out on so much more information, so much research that's out there at our fingertips yet yeah. we don't dive into it. Cause it's just so much to really uncover. It, it, it is a lot. Like it really, you know, someone could spend their whole medical career or practitioner career doing genetics and someone else could spend it doing mold. Um, you know, there is so much out there. Um, but I, I think it really comes back to listening to the patient. The patient already has the answer and, um, you know, listening because that's going to guide you know, where the direction is going, or maybe the practitioner tries something. It's like, wait a minute. I thought typically this works, but maybe the person has a different genetics. that isn't obvious, you know? Um, and so we can use other tools to kind of support, you know, probably nutrients or something like that to just facilitate for the person. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, so I want to take a segue here, like a short segue here into back to in the beginning, when we spoke about, you know, you've used really your journey through facing adversity, through challenging times in your life to really be able to not only help yourself, but help your clients. Um, so can you tell us, I know you had a destroyed self-confidence and you yourself yeah. have faced, you know, fatigue as well. Um, so can you elaborate a little more on that and how you were able to really overcome that um, and use that as, you know, a guidance 
um, Mm -hmm. to also help your clients? Yeah. So, you know, the interesting thing about working with um, patients or clients when a person's in that role is that we can only take someone as far as we've gone ourselves. And, um, you know, as I mentioned before, I was in a kind of internal audit role and then went to school and, and up until that point, everything was more or less okay. And then I, I entered school and, um, for the first time in my life, I was failing a number of classes, almost failing. Um, and, and school was something I loved to do. Um, you know, so it was kind of interesting because I wasn't used to that and I wasn't used to being behind. I wasn't used to feeling all the pressure associated with school. And so that was a challenge in itself. And then the second year I was in school, I came down with an infection that caused me to have fatigue. So here's someone that I used to run a half marathon. I used to run, be active. And now I could barely look at walking up four steps. Oh my gosh. And, and I had to go to school and it was like, you know, similar to a lot of people, they're tired. And it's like, I still have a full-time job to do. How am I going to manage this? And my fortunate opportunity was I was at a medical school so I could get, you know, <laughs> student treatment. So I, I got treated on everything as, as much as I could, um, which was great because I know some people don't have that ability, right. especially when they have children at home and they're working full-time um, with that type of picture. Um, and then through that, it's also second year medical school. Um, there was an event that happened in school and my self-confidence was blown out of the water. Whatever self-confidence I had was completely, utterly destroyed to the, to the aspect that I couldn't even barely talk in class amongst my colleagues. And in second year medical school, part of what you're learning to do is the physical exam. So you have to look at the person and, you know, does the skin look normal? Do they have swelling? All that type of stuff. So you're trying to talk about it out loud. And that really, um, you know, I would love to say I got over that quickly, but the fact is it's probably taken me five or more years to kind of recover from that because it created a lot of self-doubt, um, in, in my being, it created self-doubt in my practice, um, in terms of, do I actually know how to treat, um, patients and, um, you know, I, I guess in terms of how I came over it was, um, working with other individuals that could truly hold the space, truly hold an accepting, loving space for where I was in that moment. Um, and, and surrounding myself with beautiful friends that also could hold that space, um, which was, which is what allowed me to kind of move through that and, and heal those aspects. So, you know, it's kind of like, well, were those aspects always there potentially? And, and those events were the ones that triggered the healing that needed to take place. Um, but it's, it's been kind of a consistent journey, upward journey of moving through those things and, and gaining confidence in my education and ability and gaining confidence in the self, um, self-worth, um, confidence piece and moving through those things. Um, I guess another aspect that's really helped me is to, I've always gone back to light and that might sound a bit woo woo to people, yeah, but no. it's like the light at the end of the tunnel mm-hmm. and that every moment, no matter what I felt like, it was like, I was reaching out for that light because I knew there had to be something better, something more, something that was greater than the pain that I had felt. Do you associate with being present, um, being able to really see the light because normally when we're not, and I know you spoke about one word you would, um, you know, what does self-love mean to you? You spoke of being present, like just presence. Mm -hmm. And so lots of times we tend to, well, either we live in the past or traumatic moments, not allowing us to really be captivated by the light at the end of the tunnel. So it keeps us with, you know, in a simple sense, just stuck. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really, um, you know, I, I've tried multiple different things. I've, I've gone into emotions. Um, Eckhart Tolle talks about really, um, feeling the emotion, but emphasizing and blowing it up as big as you can. And to some people and be really honest, it scares, really scares them, but I can tell you having done it many times, the emotion blows up, it intensifies and then it just dissipates and it's gone. And it's the most incredible thing because this freedom comes in with it that that you're just not expecting. 
but and then, then the other aspect that you talk about Desiree is the presence and what that really means is can the person acknowledge the emotion that's in that moment without judgment and just be like I see you anger I see you fear I see you anxiety um, and just be with it because to me what that goes back to which I talk to my patients about is I love saying this the um, theory of physics the particle theory. And so in particle theory, the moment they observe the particle, it's moved. And it's like, if we're like trillions and trillions of little particles in our being, the moment we observe ourselves, it's changed. So it's, it's like a micro change, but it's still changed, which is, right. which is amazing because, you know, some, someone could, could be doing all kinds of work for decades and still be kind of roaming around in that past, if you will, or stuck, mildly stuck. But if they take a moment, several moments, <laughs> let's be honest, yeah. to observe themselves, it's just like, I just, I see you anxiety. I see you fear. It's already changing. Like, to me, that's just so empowering and so loving because that presence enables a person to give that space to other people when they're struggling. Talks about living in the now, right? Yeah. We don't live in the now. That is probably the number one problem in human society is that either we're so stuck in the past, like I had said previously, or we're trying to decipher the future and mm-hmm. which we have no control over. It can, in it, you know, with in the last two years, if there was anything we learned is that just to control the things within our control, stop trying to control, you know, you know, what's outside and it, cause it's way bigger than we are. So, but if we just focus on today and that's when we really open the doors of self-awareness mm-hmm. and, you know, pretty much saying exactly what you were saying, just when you are able just to face, you know, our adversity or face your struggles or face what's really going on in your life, then it shifts because yeah. now we're face, and that's, Another thing is that we don't want to face adversity. We don't want to go through struggle. We want to be presented with this golden platter, but mm-hmm. it's part of human you know, nature. It's part of our DNA to go through struggle and to embrace yeah. it and to learn and grow from it. And so, I mean, it's a, it's beautiful when we start to unravel it because then we start to really appreciate ourselves and our strengths and, mm-hmm. you know, that we can overcome um, barriers at any given time in our life, because we possess the power that we need. And the only power is not through a little pill. It's really, you know, in us and it lives within us, mind, body, and soul. And we could spiritually really connect on a different level. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And and I think you, you touched on it, Desiree, in terms of, um, when we face that struggle, we're allowed to grow. Yeah. Right. Like that, that to me is just the beauty of it. Right? Like that's part of the journey. Yeah, it is. The growth. Yeah. yeah. So from a holistic, you know, oh, oh my goodness. Why is my, my phone's over here connected to my cellular? This is, I've never had that happen, but this is what happens when your Mac computer is connected to everything around you. Uh, the beauty of Apple, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, coming from a holistic standpoint, Um, what have you seen as, you know, the, what benefits have you gained in your personal life and in your, what have you seen in your patients, um, gain from whether it's a health standpoint or just mental health, you know, mental clarity, um, what have you seen? Yeah. So from a holistic, um, what I've seen in some patients is that when we take a holistic approach, they're moving through the issues more quickly. Because you're, you're addressing the physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. Um, so physical would be something like nutrition and herbs, right? Food, that type of thing, exercise. Emotional is, is giving, that, giving yourself presence in that moment when the emotions are coming up, which we just touched on. Um, the energetic, uh, mental, emotional, I also could put in homeopath remedies because um, those work on the energetic level as well. So it, it kind of encompasses that. And then from the spiritual point of view is, is allowing that journey to take place, like 
connecting with the soul where they're at. Um, I'm just thinking, uh, I had a conversation with a patient the other day around, um, it was kind of a driving lesson, (laughs) which I wasn't expecting. Um, so this young adult, um, has her license, but she, she's terrified of driving. And, um, it was really interesting because, um, you know, her previous experience was, well, we talked about it, so you should be good to go. And she's like, but I'm not. And I'm like, okay, so, you know, can you sit in the car? Can you just sit in the car and be okay with just being in the car? And and we also talked about, can she just be with the emotions and the thoughts that are coming up? Because some of her thoughts, you know, we identified that some of them were irrational, which is fine because we all have irrational thoughts. Everybody has irrational thoughts at times. (laughs) Um, So it's not something that's unique and it's not something that people have to feel ashamed about. But we identified some of those, like, can she just be present? And she's like, yeah, I think I can do that. I'm like, okay, cool. (laughs) Um, You know, and and this is a woman that went from a month ago, not wanting to leave her house, not wanting to talk to anybody, gave her some tools. And she's like, oh my God, I'm in class. I'm talking to people. I feel happy. And it was like, wow, that that's a 180 in a month. It was, it was pretty, and it wasn't my typical kind of appointment with someone, but it was just being present with where she was at and, and offering some tools um, so she could show up. Yeah. And just, and just, it's the, sometimes I feel like it's just so it's, it's supposed to be so simple yet. Yes. We overcomplicate life. We yeah. overcomplicate it with <sighs> trying to find the quick fix getting wrapped up in, you know, what's Sally Joe doing down the street or, you know, oh, I, you know, sat down in front of the TV and watch all these commercials and they said I can find my cure and maybe this, or we rely on Dr. Google to tell us what our issues are. And I've I've come to the conclusion that apparently I, I did not know this, but Google has a PhD that I am not aware of. Um, Because we sit here and we're constantly doing this. Oh, I have some rash going on on my cheek. What can it be? And then we come up with this idea that we have skin cancer and we go down this rabbit hole and we make assumptions. And then it's you, then we find ourselves at the point of no return because we've made this whole, created this whole story in our head. And then we're trying to go through the emotions of life and we just get stuck because we, in a sense, allowed a search engine control our thoughts and our beliefs. Yeah. Um, so it's just so. Yeah. Well, you remind me of a, a little cartoon I found. It was a minion, and the, the <laughs> little minion said, um, I, "I've in three clicks, I've gone to from having a headache to clinically dead." And it's like, wait a minute, I hope no one's done that here, <laughs> right? Like using the search engine to kind of find a solution, and it's just like. And, and now the minion's dead. Oh, Sorry about that. <laughs> I, <laughs> you said took him down the wrong path. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the mind is incredible, right? I mean, the body. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. For you listeners, because I'm going to chuckle about this, but first we have the, you know, we're truly authentic here and you guys already know how I am, but first we go with the phone ringing with the Apple phone. And then we go into, we had a power outage here. So now we're just going to pick up where we left off to, you know, that way it sounds truly authentic, but, um, I love that. I'm going to have to really, I'm going to have to look up that video you were sharing about the minion because it honestly is absolutely hundred percent true. We tend to go down these rabbit holes and assumptions being one of those things. When I read the four agreements. That was one of the agreements about assumptions. And we really allow assumptions take over our life and who we are. And in a sense, if we just stopped assuming, which is really hard, it's part of, you know, our human nature, it's really, really hard to not make assumptions, but if we just ask the questions and, you know, ask your, you know, I asked my husband, are you mad at me now? When I ask him that, or did I do something wrong? He'll look at me like, what, what are you talking about? And I'm like, <laughs> okay, don't assume that he's talking to you angrily. Like, you know, mm-hmm. Just allow these things to flow. But um, really going back to, you know, your, your, 
patience and, you know, your, what you do in regards to, you know, the medicine that you practice, um, what, when people come to you, you know, um, what are some primary reasons other than fatigue, but I do actually, because I kind of already worded this question, I do want to elaborate on the fatigue part because you did in the beginning did say that, um, you know, it's, it's people normally pinpoint it to certain issues. Maybe it's Mm -hmm. a lack of sleep. Maybe, um, you know, it's too much coffee in a sense, or, you Mm -hmm. know, what other, and what you've seen and what you've come across in regards to your work, what other underlying issues do we tend to as humans, um, you know, encounter fatigue? Yeah. Um, you know, if it's not the infection picture, um, you know, that I'm referring to, there's a stress aspect, you know, so physical, mental, emotional stress. And again, this is something that seems simple. Everyone's, you know, if there's a relationship, they know that the relationship's stressful, but what's not evident is the stress that your cell phone causes the Wi-Fi, you know, in the bedroom, the chemicals that we take into our body, a mold in your home that you can't see, right? So um, I'm, I'm emphasizing this one because so many times, um, you know, I'll, I'll do a test for mold and with the applied kinesiology and someone's like, well, I don't see mold in my home. That's not the test for mold. The test when they, they do mold testing is actually to sweep the walls and the floor um, and then that gets analyzed. And so some people have mold in their homes and don't even realize it. And they have these kind of weird symptoms. And, um, you know, if, you, if you've ever gone searching for fatigue, it's in like everything. It's actually <laughs> one of the most difficult conditions for doctors to work with because there, there can be hundreds of reasons why someone's fatigued. Most of them are in categories that are uncommon. So I'm just going to, you know, sweep those out. But there's, there's still hundreds of reasons why someone could be fatigued. And maybe it's mold or maybe it's like this weird symptom and someone has heavy metals, right, that's causing the fatigue. And, you know, they're not having a neurological issue. But so there's all these components um, of the fatigue that's, that's just not obvious. And then we have you know, some people are like, oh, well, I'm over 60. I must be tired. I don't believe you have to be tired over 60. I think that is a different type of fatigue. Um, there's a new diagnosis, relatively new, called mitochondrial dysfunction. Well, the mitochondria create energy. So if they're not working, guess what? There's no fuel for the body. There's no fuel for the car, right? So, yes. you know, maybe over 60, the issue isn't, well, I'm over 60. It's, it's mitochondrial dysfunction. So how do we support the mitochondria so that, you know, people over 60, 70, 80 can have vibrancy, yeah. right? So there's these other aspects that, um, you know, go into the picture of the fatigue, but but to your question, Desiree, in terms of what else do I see? Tons of GI issues. Um, I've seen infections, old infections, like food infections, causing diarrhea and constipation decades later, right? So, so that's underlying infection causing GI issues. Or, I, um, you know, leaky gut's very common, um, but leaky gut can happen for a lot of reasons. Maybe there's a candida infection which is a type of yeast in the body. Um, Other things I see kind of touched on anxiety and depression or kind of mental stressors. And then um, a very common one I see is the thyroid imbalance. So Mm -hmm. the thyroid hormones being slightly out of sync with the body. um, And these can be related to adrenal issues. So one of the doctors I studied with Um, I just loved his approach. He was a functional medicine endocrinologist. And he's like, I always treat the adrenals first. I see if the thyroid will balance itself out. And then I treat adrenals, thyroid, and then the ovaries or testicles. And I just love that approach. And I found in my own practice, when I was working with the adrenal glands, the thyroid typically in a lot of cases would come back unless there was a longstanding history and there was something else going on. But you could, you could kind of decipher really quickly if the thi- if the adrenals were supported, if the thyroid was going to correct itself. Yeah. So there's, there's so many things <laughs> Yeah, and it's, and it's, it's all interrelated. I mean, so here's one for the audience that might, might be kind of surprising. 
um, I had a patient who had leg pain and she was tired. And I mean, for all intents and purposes, nothing had happened to her body. There wasn't really a reason, a clinical reason why her legs would be tired. She was fit. Um, You know, we kind of ruled out other things. And I said, well, what, like, what else is going on? Like, how did this kind of come about? And she's like, well, we've had six deaths in the family. I was like, oh, that, that's a lot in 12 wow. months, right? That's huge. And the image that came to mind was that the individuals that had passed were hanging on to her legs. Wow. Right? So, so that brings in, you know, this other realm yeah. <laughs> of, of why her legs were sore. So we, we had a conversation like, you know, um, in her culture, it was an indigenous culture. So I was like, okay, so how does your culture deal with um, this scenario? So we talked about like honoring those people and going through, um, they have kind of a four seasons approach when, when someone's crossing over. So we talked about that. And, um, you know, she, she felt relief from that. And she went home and did the work. And she's like, Oh, yeah, like that feels better. Those individuals are, you know, kind of moving and her legs weren't sore anymore. Yeah. I, I am so intrigued always by the spiritual like approach and the holistic, um, you know, dating back to our ancestors, the holistic approach was the way of life. It was the way we healed and, you know, watching, um, we were recently watching 1883 and when they were trying to heal, um, one of well, she was with her family, but she was a young girl and she had got stabbed in the liver with mm-hmm. uh, an arrow and, you know, the hut and they heat it, you know, it's like a sauna. It would look like yeah. a sauna and they put you in there, but they do their ritual and it's like, but they were doing it just to bring her peace. So she wouldn't um, calming the body in a state yeah. where it's okay. Like allowing yeah. her to release and just go in peace. But now we tend to rely on the holistic and spiritual approach as like you had said, woohoo. And we've said it before on the podcast before, but you know, now we see more, um, more of this nowadays where it's like more of a holistic approach or grounding a lot of Mm -hmm. meditation, Mm -hmm. um, whether it's, uh, you know, through nature or you, you know, in your bedroom by yourself and just being one with you. But Mm -hmm. in a sense, when we look at back then in history, you know, their health was far different than what the concerns we have now. Oh yeah. 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 Right. Like they, they would walk for days. They'd walk for Mm -hmm. hours. They go hunting for their food and, you know, we're, we're driving our little cars to the grocery store, right? There's (laughs) no, there's not all that movement and, and communing with nature. And I mean, that, that's one thing I, I've, I've seen in my practice is that connecting with nature is underestimated, right? Like nature is what gives us the rhythms of life, the sun, the moon, the seasons, if we live in a climate that has yeah. seasons. Um, but even if, even if we don't, even if we have two seasons instead of four, there's still a cycle. There's still a time when it rains. There's still a time when there's snow. There's still a time when the leaves are changing color, right? So all those things that happen connect us with our own cycles in the body. Cause this is, you know, you'll hear people say our body is a microcosm of the macrocosm, right? It's a little universe in itself. So when we connect with nature, we're connecting with that bigger whole and all those other things just start to become easier. Do you feel that the body is more in alignment with itself when we do take time to reconnect with nature? Yeah, I, I have seen that. Um, the most evident, um, the most evident way I've seen that, and this will be easier for the female listeners, but um, when a when a woman's more in alignment with nature, her menstrual cycle when she's not on any birth control will be around closer to 32 days, like the moon. So her cycle will be more in alignment with the moon and the moon Mm -hmm. comes full moon is every 32 days or so, um, not the 28 days. Right. Yeah. So when a woman really gets into alignment with that, she'll see her cycle shift. 
you also see um, a, a little bit less, um, maybe more evident, but not around the days of the cycle is when a woman is in a group of women, the period will shift to be with other women that have more dominant energy. So a, a lot of women can kind of, you know, affirm that that's happened when they've been in a group setting. Do you feel with your energy, you know, are you able to really now, now they're going to be like, okay, now you're getting to the woohoo stuff, but with that energy, are you able to, you know, you're able, I'm assuming that you're able to connect, uh, deeper, I would say with your patients on top of the fact they're using kinesiology, um, to understand them and what they're going through and how you were able to, um, really decipher what your patient was going through with, you know, those people in her family, you know, holding on to the legs. But do you see that also as well with most clients or just certain one or patients? Sorry, I keep saying yeah. clients, but patients with, um, uh, you know, using that spiritual realm that you're connected to. Yeah. So, so I, I want to always respect where the patient's at. So some of my patients are open to that conversation and some mm -hmm. of them aren't, and, and that's totally fine. Um, I'm going to kind of answer it in two parts. My body is empathic. So I I've had to, I've been able to feel what other people are feeling, even when they're telling their stories, um, often. So I've sort of actually learned to turn that down. And so for any listeners out there that are empathic, you can actually control how much you feel from other people. Um, cause if you're super sensitive and avoiding, avoiding life because of mm -hmm. sensitivity, that's also not healthy. So what I've done um, for anyone else who out there is, um, just turned it down. So I just tell my body, I only want to feel other people's stuff 5%. Um, so it still affords me the ability to connect and understand where they're coming from, but it also makes it so that I don't feel like I'm going crazy in my own head, mm -hmm. <laughs> feeling everybody's everything. Cause that can kind of be crazy making. Um, and so it's, it's, it's easier to kind of move through the day. Um, but also to answer your question, Desiree, some, some patients, they're just not open and, and that's okay. And, and in those circumstances, I really have to practice listening, listening mm -hmm. to what they're not saying. Um, although I, I will say in the muscle testing, even if they're not open, the body will still tell me something, mm -hmm. um, you know, and the patient's like, how did you know that? And I'm like, well, cause you know, there was an imbalance in your lungs or there was an imbalance here. Um, you know, and then of course I ask about it because, you know, if, if that is an issue right. for them, we want to make sure that they're supported. So, um, yeah, it, I mean, I don't always feel everything, which is okay, but, um, <sighs> typically, you know, and if it doesn't come out in the muscle testing, so here's the other side. Sometimes when I do the muscle testing, the, the person is the type of person that just holds everything in. They don't really process stuff. And when they're holding all the stuff in everything, the stress, the emotions, mm -hmm. the life, everything, I don't get anything back from their body. I don't get any kind of, and I'll just say to them, are you the type of person that holds stuff in? Yes. I'm like, well, um, in our testing today, your body is not really giving me any information, which is totally fine. I'm still going to move forward, but mm -hmm. so, you know, like we, we need to process these emotions out of the body. <laughs> um, so we kind of have a conversation around that and, um, that starts to kind of shift things a little bit. What I would come to the conclusion that it's you're a healer, uh, in, in cold, in different cultures, it would be like in the Hispanic culture, um, a curandera, you know, we would, we would say that. And it, it's beautiful because you get to see the body for, what more than, you know, if I go to my primary doctor, they're just going to, you know, take my blood pressure here, listen to my heart, you know, ask me some questions and then whether they prescribe me something or not, I'll see you in six months. Um, and I, it's very empowering to hear your approach and really get into yes, the scientific aspects of it and dive deeper and how you're able to intertwine both worlds to understand the body and really decipher what your patient is going through and then bring them clarity, bring them healing. And, and I look at it from an approach where, you know, healers have been around for so long, but we've 
you know, with technology and with modern day society, we really eliminated that portion of, of healing the way we approach things in our past and, you know, our ancestors, but to see that it's still being practiced in a new day sense. And now you're giving people that freedom from, you know, really in a sense, they're at war with themselves internally Mm -hmm. and really Mm -hmm. finding that inner peace that we're all trying to seek. Um, but we we've locked ourselves in different chambers throughout the body and not able to release who we are. And so Mm -hmm. it's just beautiful to sit here and hear you speak and, you know, how, how you're able to really, um, understand the body and how it works. And it's just, it's beautiful. And I wish you guys were all here listening because it, it, and I know you're listening over like, you know, Spotify and Apple, but to sit here and to see your presence and, and it is, um, it's very impactful on so many levels. So, well, th- yeah. thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I'm very humbled with that because I, I actually don't view myself as a healer and really believe that the, the body has the information to heal. The body on all its levels has the information to heal. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we just need someone like yourself to tell us, like to guide us, to help guide us, right? It's a guide. You are the guide and you're allowing the body to do its work. Um, but in a sense, we just need to be told. I mean, especially when we don't know. And if we just rely on, you know, other ways to, um, you know, whether it's medicine or, you know, different types, not to talk, take away from, you know, any of you who are doctors that listen that, that are not on the holistic approach, but it is in a sense, it's very different. And they're, you know, but, um, where can they find you? And do you have you, do you have online patients or are you just, you know, any local or how does that work? Yeah, so I can be found online on Instagram. So um, I believe that's going to be in the comments below. Is that yes. right? Okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I won't try and spell that yes. out. Um, but I'm on Instagram, um, also on Facebook. Um, so we'll share those links with you. Mm-hmm. And um, certainly, if someone wants to connect online, we can do that and have a have a conversation. Because um, you know, I I think one of the things that that Desiree and I talked about today is that there's there's multi, multiple levels to the being and um you know we we just want to support that healing process for people in in whatever way that it looks like um so yeah 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 I will have all her information down in synopsis of this podcast episode and like you she said you know, don't hesitate to connect. I think lots of times we know we might have something internally going on, or we may, you know, second guess the advice we've been given or, you know, the diagnosis we've been given, but don't ever hesitate to reach out and ask questions. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, if you really resonated with listening to Dr. Candice, reach out. The worst thing you can gain from all of this is you are, you know, you, say, I I just can't, or I don't understand, but, you know, I, I really, um, you know, my advice to you listening is, you know, reach out, don't hesitate and really speaking to her. Um, I, you know, I loved this conversation. I love how, I know we directed you guys in so many ways, (laughs) but I feel like you just have so much, uh, to talk about and, you know, really using your own journey to now, um, you know, help your patients there. I go with the clients again, help your patients find clarity and just inner peace is absolutely amazing. Um, and so I always end with this question, what, and only because I feel like we can connect. Um, we as humans are really empowered and inspired and can connect through quotes. Um, so I should have probably asked you this in the beginning, but is there a quote that you would like to share? Or if you need a minute, they already know that I could talk forever, but really if there's anything <laughs> on your heart, um, and, or even a line that you use yourself. I don't use one myself per se, but I always go back to, um, Nelson Mandela's inaugural speech where he talks about, um, and I'm, I'm probably going to botch this up a little bit, so please go look it up. But 
where he talks about um, we are afraid of our own inner greatness, right? Like we have this beautiful light to share with the world. Like every single person on this planet came for a particular reason. And I know sometimes it might not feel like any any particular reason when things maybe aren't going well, but we all have an individual purpose. And um, when he talks about it in his inaugural address, it's like, we're, we're afraid of our own inner light. Like, it's not all those other things. It's that we're afraid of shining. We're afraid of being. And, you know, if I can leave that with anybody, like that, maybe that's where the, the, the light at the end of the tunnel, I don't know. But um, if you can grab on that own, your own inner light, that's just at the center of everything. Like that to me is, is the thing that's just so beautiful if people can hang on to that. Yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely beautiful. I normally like to say some other things at the end, but I really just want to leave it there because you know, it's the light at the end of the tunnel. What other way to wrap up this conversation with you? It's been just a privilege to have you on the podcast and, you know, may you continue to, heal and really find success and really impact and empower other people, um, throughout your journey here on earth and beyond. So thank you for, you know, taking the time to chat with us and, um, we'll talk to you guys soon. Yeah. Thank you so much, Desiree. Thanks. You're welcome. (laughs) I let you guys go. Discount codes can be found below in the summary of this podcast and to remind you all that it is officially here, the spring eight-week transformation challenge. And with that challenge, Team Self Love Effect, our community on Facebook, has a challenge going on within that challenge of our own. So all you guys have to do is head on over to Facebook, add Team Self Love Effect, and download the first form app, add me as your advisor, Desiree at selfloveeffect.com. And within that app, you have me as your coach, as your mindset, nutrition, and fitness coach, you have access to workouts, different styles from, you know, strength training to CrossFit style to at home, no weights at home with minimal weights. And you also have access to nutrition. Okay. This app is designed simple yet to be affected for everyday use. So if you guys have any questions, do not hesitate to reach out. I cannot wait to see you and be a part of your journey. I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye.